Episode number 176, You Will Not Fit In, and That's a Good Thing. I'm your host, Damon Soka. We so often focus on the negative aspects of mental and emotional illness that we rarely talk about something important that hides in the shadows of the illness. That aspect is the benefits and blessings that arise from having a unique illness that affects both your emotional state and your mental reality. And yes, I did say benefits and blessings. Now, I've spoken much about the disabling effects of the illness, but today I'm going to leave that behind so we can focus on a few positive realities. One of the most important realities that should be considered positive is found in the title statement of this episode. You are not going to fit in to society's mold. Mental and emotional illness will cause serious problems when we attempt to fit ourselves into the cultural, social, and spiritual boxes of organized societies and religion. That is probably an obvious statement to anyone who has the illness. I spent most of my teenage, young adult, and even much of my adult life attempting to fit myself into unwritten social roles that really surrounded me on a daily basis. I wanted to fit in, to be part of the majority, to be part of something, to be accepted. Now, this desire comes naturally to everyone, with, I suppose, some exceptions. I believe that our desire stems partly from this world and partly from our pre-earth life. Being part of a group helps us create an identity and purpose. We will tend to naturally gravitate to groups and individuals with whom we feel a kinship, a common association, a similar purpose, or with whom we think very similarly or feel very similarly. I believe that many of these associations were developed long before this earth life, and this includes our talents, natural abilities, our weaknesses, and our pre-earth life relationships. I believe that we were not randomly sent to the earth, but that we were sent with a purpose, design, and with individuals with whom we knew and loved deeply. I feel we came to this earth surrounded by our friends and family and close relationships. It is it is important to understand that our lives are a continuation of the life we had previously. While we may not know fully the details, we have mutually shared emotional experiences that we do remember within our emotional memory. Now, what is important for our discussion today is that because of these emotionally shared experiences, we have a deep need for identity, purpose, and to belong. Now, beyond this premortal identity and purpose and that premortal desire to belong is our mortal desire to identify those with those with whom we share common ideas, common beliefs, and most of all, common emotional experiences. Our deep need in mortality, however, creates a bit of a problem. Social peer pressure to fit in and conform to certain groups is enormous. And when we cannot conform due to issues such as mental and emotional illness, we tend to be kicked out of the pack, meaning simply that individuals who stick out tend to be left out. And so with a desire for identity and purpose and some significant peer pressure to conform, we have deep personal incentives to find and to fit into our social groups. However, mental and emotional illness causes serious issues with conforming to many normalized social groups. Because we who suffer don't feel the same emotions in the same way as others, our reality, our perception, and our even our internal analysis of life and the opportunities and problems that come with it will be vastly different from our peers. We see life through our emotional state, 
I've spoken regularly about us being emotional beings and seeing life's problems and opportunities through these emotions. For instance, something as simple as serving a mission or going to college might be an overly daunting task when one is depressed and anxious. However, when one is on a mania high, the task might seem exciting and invigorating. Nothing has changed about the opportunity except that in one emotional state it is daunting and overwhelming, and in another it is exciting and enjoyable. Now that probably doesn't sound like new information to someone who is within an episode of depression, anxiety, or mania. But for most of the world who do not see through these emotional glasses, it can be very strange to think that one day you might see the opportunity as completely inaccessible to you, and another day entirely enjoyable. It is not that the normal it is not that normal individuals don't pass through bad days and some very good ones. It is that our experiences with depression, anxiety, and mania cause us to have significantly deeper emotional moments, and that depth of feeling matters when it comes to the experience. When you have prolonged deep depression and or anxiety, it changes your very core and nature and desire. The same is true for mania. In some ways, you become almost an entirely different personality with differing desires, passions, energy levels, and even core emotions. Meaning quite simply that individuals who are closest to you will notice dramatic shifts in your decision-making, perception, mood, and desire. For them, it will be as though you have become someone entirely different. That is because most individuals do not pass through moods of the nature and depth you are experiencing. And so a sudden shift in personality can be alarming to them and even disturbing. It is those serious shifts in mood and personality. Personality, by the way, is basically how we perceive life and process life in the current moment. That really causes us to stick out and be left out. You see, no longer you no longer fit into the same mold as before. Your emotional state and experiences do not match the group to which you belong. And so, through human nature, they will isolate you, or you will isolate yourself because you no longer feel as though you fit into the group. As this occurs over and over again, as we pass through episodes, we can find ourselves feeling quite lonely and troubled. Nothing is more troubling on the mind and emotional state than to feel like one does not belong. Now, one of my favorite sayings, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any period of time, is birds of a feather flock together. I believe much of that flocking together revolves around similar thoughts and ideas, but also shared emotional experiences. I believe that similar emotional experiences actually play the larger part in this process of flocking together. That is why we so often feel like birds of a different feather. Our emotional experiences probably only relate to a very, very few individuals because mental and emotional illness is really caused by a variety of factors and can include a huge range of symptoms. Even us birds of the mentally and emotionally ill feather may not be sufficiently aligned to one another to cause us to flock together. So this even limits the pool of available flocks to a limited few. And that is true for most individuals who have emotional and mental illness. They will often have few lasting and deep friendships, relationships, and groups to which they consistently belong. Our emotional experiences 
so often deviate from the norms of society that we will always have difficulty relating to various individuals and social groups. Now, you are probably thinking, this isn't very helpful. All you are saying is that we don't fit in, and we probably never will. Yes, I am saying that, and it has taken me many years to understand that not fitting in can be a very good thing, a very, very good thing. One of the main problems with groups of individuals who think and feel alike is called groupthink. They struggle to feel and think outside of a particular box. And because they surround themselves with like-minded people, what they think and feel is only reinforced. This is what we might call a Fox News problem. Well, I guess any news for that matter in today's world. We search until we find a group that echoes our thoughts and feelings, and then like an echo chamber, these groups reinforce our own ideas. This means that people who groupthink are not really good at creative solutions and viewing problems and opportunities from a different perspective. And we see this regularly in societies where freedom of speech and thought is suppressed. Innovation, creative freedom, entrepreneurship, art, Science and outside-the-box solutions don't come regularly from repressed and freedom-limiting societies, where conforming can mean the difference between life and death. What mental and emotional illness provides is something the world desperately needs on a regular basis, a voice outside of the groupthink mentality. This means that our illness that causes us to feel and think in very different ways provides unique perspectives to problems and solutions in the world. Because of our own illness, we can overcome the groupthink mentality problem and be far more creative. One of the benefits of emotional and mental illness is actually creativity of thought and emotion. We see this in the arts, the sciences, and a variety of important ideas and areas of innovation and social influence. Many, many important artists, innovators, and entrepreneurs are believed to have suffered from some form of mental illness or divergent thinking. Uh, such as autism, because we can see and feel from very different perspectives. We can provide a host of solutions that don't fit into normal patterns of living. We can step outside of this echo chamber. Because we see things from differing personalities and core emotions, we can actually approach life from many perspectives. We ask questions that others do not. We view interpersonal communication in a differing manner. Our illness truly provides a uniqueness that others do not possess. Now, before I get too far down this road, and perhaps maybe I already have, when we talk about solving problems, divergent thinking, and new perspectives, I am not talking about reworking the core doctrines and principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ found in his church. Doctrines do not change, even when we see them in a differing light than others. However, once we accept the doctrine is unchangeable, we can implement differing principles and applications of the gospels of the gospel in ways that might be more productive and valuable we will tend to ask the why questions regularly in the gospel when others might simply accept what has been taught there is nothing wrong with asking why questions because why questions get us to the core of the doctrine and provide lasting truth when we seek out the why even when it might take us years to understand it we find the true nature of the gospel and core celestial doctrine and principles that can be applied directly to our concerns and problems. Meaning, when a difficulty arises, instead of just doing what we've always done, we can reach down to the core doctrine and provide alternative solutions that keep the doctrine intact 
but provide for a different method of action. So not fitting in can and is often a very good thing. Yes, however, it can be lonely. And yes, our solutions may get rejected by the group thinkers regularly, but we have a unique ability to view life from a whole new understanding. And that is a very good thing. We can also view the gospel from a new perspective and provide insights that others may never have even thought about. We can be revelators in a sense because our mind is far more open to different perspectives and ideas about emotion, thought, and the realities of living in a mortal world. While it might be difficult to be different and unique, especially in our patterns of thought, I have found it also can be exhilarating and exciting. I regularly see and experience scripture passages in different ways and with different insights than most people around me. I find that my mind is often more open to different types of revelation and ideas that might be easily dismissed in a groupthink mindset. Now being a divergent th- I di- now being a divergent thinker can also carry with it its problems. My wife often asks me why I don't comment so regularly in Sunday school and other church classes. I know that it deals with this problem of divergent thinking. So often when I do comment, my ideas are outside of the normal answers. And many teachers and class attendees don't know how to deal with divergent thinking and answers that don't fit into regular mold answers. I also tend to think deeper about issues because I regularly ask the why questions, and I do so in different emotional states. I will admit that I never have been a blind obedience person or really too much of a group thinker. I want to know the why I am obeying and what I am to learn. This doesn't mean that I discard doctrine or policy. I don't understand. I live it until I find the why. But I admit I'm always refining the why. You too will likely find that your answers in a gospel setting may be disregarded frequently because your mind doesn't work the same as others. And so your answers to questions will not fit the normal mold or groupthink. But that doesn't mean you should not share. I have found that while individuals may not know what to do with many of the things I say and answer, they later tell my wife or me how appreciative they are for my answers because it actually made them think more deeply about the subject and ponder ideas that they have never thought about. So remember, just because the teacher in class may gloss over your answer doesn't mean that they are not thinking about it. When we learn something new, it takes time for the brain to comprehend it, ponder it, and then really decide to include it and implement it. Your answer may not garner any immediate response, but it will make people think differently and more deeply about the many issues that regularly arise when living the gospel of Jesus Christ. Divergent thinking is so very important to the gospel. While we cannot be so divergent as to think the doctrine is incorrect or the prophet isn't a prophet and needs changing, we can help others to see different points of view and different ways to implement the gospel doctrine in our lives and in their lives. There exists a secondary benefit to emotional and mental illness that I have discussed in the past, but I want to emphasize it today. When you are faced regularly with feelings of doubt due to the illness and must revisit your testimony of the gospel over and over again, you will gain a far deeper and much more personal witness of the gospel and of the Savior. When you descend into that hell of depression or anxiety or that blinding light of mania and you question everything about the existence of a divine being and his love for you, it 
can and does cause a strengthening of your emotional testimony. Now you certainly are not going to feel that strengthening when the darkness is thick and the mists are palpable. But when you work towards remaining on the covenant path, that strengthening will occur. It will not be until after the experience that you may more fully understand the strengthening effect. Because as it says in Ether, the witness does not come until after the trial of your faith. It is similar in many ways to lifting weights when your body is struggling in pain and sweat and the repetitions of lifting appear a little value is when the muscle breaks down. It, break, it takes breaking down the muscle to rebuild new and more powerful muscles. And yes, there is often great pain associated with this process. It takes the breaking down of the muscle or the testimony and rebuilding to strengthen the core doctrines and principles of the gospel. Mental and emotional illness provides a very unique method of spiritual strengthening. The Lord breaks down our emotional testimony to its core and rebuilds it stronger as we work to keep on the covenant path. It will not be easy, nor will we remain without the stain of sin. But if we are willing to endure it and continue forward, our emotional rock and foundation will be broadened and deepened to support the increased load. As the Savior yokes himself with us and allows us to continue in this process of thicker darkness and heavier mists, we will be able to grasp the rod with ever more strength and conviction. Now, I know that this strengthening is very difficult to see while we are in the midst of pain and suffering. But there is something important to understand about the scripture that states the Savior learned by the things he suffered. Suffering seems to be a purifying agent that allows for the weakness in our testimony to be driven out and removed. Now, no one likes suffering. Even our own mind does anything it can to avoid it. But in the spiritual processes, suffering is incredibly important to our lives. Somewhere in the midst of suffering, everything unimportant melts away and we begin to see ourselves as we truly are. We understand more clearly our weakness, our deepest desires, and what we truly believe. When we suffer, we look for the purpose and design. We search for greater meaning in our lives. Worldly events, things, and people seem to be placed back into their true nature. Suffering is the method through which celestial life is born, and mental and emotional illness appears to play a very important part in that process. However, I also realize the risk of the methodology. I have seen many give up and wander on strange roads. Personally, and again, this is my own personal belief, some people need those roads to understand what is real and what is true. I don't like saying that some people need to wander like the prodigal son. But I personally believe that for some individuals, it is important to their ultimate salvation in the kingdoms of glory. The problem with wandering, however, is simply that some will never come back and choose to starve spiritually. And so I hope that we will be merciful when those wandering souls come over the hill and are welcomed by the Father who lost them. Now, personally, I had a recent, let's call it revelatory experience, of which I will not state everything. But the ultimate outcome of which the Lord showed me some of the purposes of my many emotional and physical issues in my life. Now, I was very grateful for the understanding, but I had never realized just how necessary all those years of pain, suffering, and darkness and struggle really were to me. 
I was shocked just how merciful the Lord had been in allowing me to experience what I have. Now, many of you may not think your illness is merciful, purposeful, and important, but I can assure you that it has design and purpose in your life. This life is short, and everything we experience here within the boundaries of the Lord has a unique purpose and design. While we might not understand it until we are exalted, standing in celestial life, the Lord fully knows why He has blessed you with the weaknesses you have been given. Each is a point of inflection in your life to teach, train, strengthen, and ultimately lead you to exaltation. Now, Lucifer wants you to see useless suffering and no value. He wants you to moan and complain and whine to the Lord about how he has cursed you with this illness. He wants you to see nothing but misery and unhappiness. I believe that in some ways he does this so we miss the point of the exercise. If we are too busy moaning and complaining about our suffering, we can miss the importance of the experience and end up like Laman and Lemuel, wishing they had never left Jerusalem, which, by the way, would have caused them to die. And so often occurs with the training exercises in this life, we cannot see the end result and the true benefit until we have the advantage of time and an ability to view the exercise from the Lord's perspective. It is rare that we will see the Lord's perspective when our body and mind are deep in the pit of suffering. This type of perspective is almost exclusively a hindsight type of event, and that is hard when you are in the middle of it and have not reached the advantage of hindsight. So in the end, while we suffer, struggle, fight, and suffer, what we find is that our illness comes with some benefits and blessings beyond our comprehension. We have unique abilities to view life from new perspectives and provide positive impacts beyond the groupthink mentality. We can find deeper meaning in the gospel and strengthening in the emotional exercise of mental and emotional illness. Ultimately, when we look back on this life, I do not believe that we will look upon our illness as a disadvantage, but the advantage that made all the difference for us. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do His.